prepare to be inspired by some of the most successful athletes on the planet. This is Athlete on Fire, your daily source of amazing stories that will ignite your pursuit of excellence and inspire you to be and do amazing things. Now, I have one question. Are you fired up? All right, welcome to Athlete on Fire. I'm Scott Jones, your host. Thank you guys for joining us. I am so excited today. I have Trisha Downing with us. Uh, I'm going to read an excerpt from her bio to get started here. Uh, In one instant, on September 17th, 2000, Trisha went from being a competitive cyclist to a paraplegic requiring a wheelchair for mobility. Her life was changed forever, but Trisha's competitive spirit and zest for life continued on. And there's a lot more to the story, and I'm really excited to get get into it. Trisha, are you fired up? I'm totally fired up. Yes. All right. So you have an awesome bio here. You know, I've I've read it multiple times, so I wouldn't mess this intro up. And instead of uh, <clears throat> boring people with my voice, I want you to kind of just take a few minutes, tell us who you are, tell us what you're about, and you know, you can brag a little bit, but we'd love to hear what you've done. It's 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 amazing to me, and I want the listeners to really be able to grasp this. Okay, well, um, I don't even know where to start, but I pretty much spent my whole life being an athlete. I started swimming when I was four years old and started competing when I was seven. Um, And I competed all through school, high school, college. And then after college, while I was in graduate school, I started cycling, competitive cycling. And and, um, I loved it. It was just, I was absolutely passionate about it. And it was great, and I competed locally. I got to go to some uh, races around the country and was was totally on fire and ready to, you know, really do well in the sport. And in the fall of 2000, I was kind of winding up the season. I had a friend visiting from Pennsylvania, and we went on a ride, just a regular training ride to Lookout Mountain. And on the way back to Denver... We were riding on 32nd Avenue and um, riding eastbound, and there was a car that was headed westbound that got into its left-hand turn lane and turned onto the side street that we were crossing. And my friend was in front of me. He was able to get around the car, and the timing worked out just right that my bike hit the front bumper of the car, and I was launched in midair, and I landed on the car on my back, and then I fell to the ground. And so... Um, that was the moment that I became a paraplegic. I didn't know, you know, obviously while I was lying on the ground, what was broken, what I had done, what the severity of it was. But that night we went to the hospital and I had a CAT scan and x-rays, MRI. And the, uh, doctors told me that I was, um, paralyzed from the chest down. I had a T4 fracture and uh, it had impacted my spinal cord and that I was not going to be walking again. Wow. Yeah, and so that was in 2000, so it's been 13 years. Right. And uh, so so where were you competitively when, when this happened? In terms of level? Of yeah, yeah. Like what kind of things were you doing competitively as a cyclist? Um, I was racing in all of the local races. I was a category three cyclist at the time and um my goal for the season was to upgrade to a cat two so i was really taking it seriously and and trying hard to um do the races i needed to do and do well and um i felt like 
you know, I had as good a chance as anybody at doing well in the sport. And so, you know, I was taking it really seriously, but this kind of got in the way and took my life on a different path. Wow. And that's, that's a, that's a great start to an amazing story. And we're going to, as we move along the segments here, we're going to get back into, uh, to, to more details of what you've accomplished since that, that crash with the car in 2000. Uh, and those stories are almost as amazing. So I can't wait to get to that. But, uh, before then we're gonna have a little fun. Okay. So we have three segments and the first segment is athlete defined. And, and to me, that's just to get to know you a little bit better, put you on the spot with some goofy questions and, uh, find out about your childhood a little bit. And the second, the second segment is athlete on fire. And that's what we're all about. Just finding that mentality when you're competing, whether it was back, back in 2000 or a couple of years ago when you competed in some really crazy endurance events that we'll talk about. Uh, and then the last, uh, segment is athlete inspired. And we're just going to share some insights and some takeaways for the listeners that can really get them moving and inspired to, to do some great things on their own. So Without further ado, do you have a nickname? Um, I have lots of nicknames, but I mostly just go by Trish. Okay, we'll go by Trish. Yeah, when I, when I reached out to you, I wrote Trish, and then I saw Trish. I was like, oh, maybe I just messed that whole thing up. But anyway, we'll go with Trish today. <laughs> all right, so the first question on Athlete Defined here is, uh, all right, you're 15 years old, Trish. Where in the world are you on a Saturday morning? Uh, school's out. It's the summertime. What are you going to do all day long? I am 100% most definitely at the swimming pool, on the diving board, with my best summer friend, Carrie. Um, And in between swimming and diving and sunning, because back then we were slathering ourselves with baby oil trying to get the best tan possible, um, we were reading magazines and eating Winchell's donuts. Oh, the women's answers are are pretty on point there's a pool involved there's tanning and usually for half of them there's been a mall involved so at least you were diving around that's great yeah okay so just to bring us bring us to your childhood besides that saturday morning um were were you a competitive athlete when you're when you're a teenager in your high school years i was a competitive athlete i started out as a swimmer um like i said before i i started on the swim team when i was seven and um, I took up gymnastics as my sort of off-season sport uh, right around that same time. And so it was like swimming in the summer, gymnastics during the school year. Um, when I got to co- or high school, I swam for two years, was on the gymnastics team for two years, tried soccer one year, which was a disaster. I just don't have any coordination when it comes to ball sports at all. <laughs> um when I was in college, I dove for two years at the University of Vermont, and um, then I took up cycling in my late 20s. Cool. So I've pretty much always been an athlete, always been interested in sports and athletes and, and being physically fit. Oh, that's great. Yeah, I, I have a lot of jokes for swimmers, but I'll share those for later. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so uh, second icebreaker is uh, – what what is the most inspiring thing that you've ever witnessed uh, on a on a playing field co- competitively? Something has to do with athletics that you've seen in person. I don't think there's one specific example that I have, but when I was in graduate school, um, actually after graduate school, I got a job at the Olympic Training Center in Colorado Springs, 
and I actually worked for the national governing body for table tennis, which is also known as ping pong, but <laughs> don't tell that to the elite athletes. Um, and so I was able to um, be the press officer for table tennis at the 96 Olympic Games in Atlanta. Oh, that's And cool. so I had sort of an, an all-venues pass, as well as tickets to some of the different events. I got to see diving, um, gymnastics, mountain biking, judo, a whole slew of sports. And for me, you know, it didn't matter which sport I was watching. You know, all that mattered to me was that I was watching the best competitors in the world and just admiring what they had accomplished and where they were um, in their careers. And so that was really exciting. And I think probably even the best part about that um, experience was getting to go to the opening ceremonies and just being part of an electric evening. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's got to be like three hours of goosebumps nonstop, you know? It was. It was great. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah, I was wondering. I'm I'm such a smart Alex. So you'll you'll see that pretty soon here. But my I honeymooned in Southeast Asia, and right when we get off the plane, we're in, in uh, south, uh, southern Vietnam, and we're walking to our hotel, and there's this huge gym with tons of dudes playing ping pong, table tennis, and uh, <laughs> I was like, dude, I got to go in there and, and test my skills. I, I could always smoke my buddy, so uh, I think that's pretty cool. <laughs> I mean, it's a pretty remarkable sport and you, you don't, most people don't give it the credit, but I had some of those elite athletes give me some lessons and after a while they just gave up on me. They told me I was just not going to make it as a <laughs> player. So it's a really uh, amazing game at, at when you're playing it at a high level like that. Yeah, those guys are, not, those, they're amazing. Their hand-eye coordination is just off the charts, so I can respect that. <laughs> All right, so that's kind of the fun little intro. We're going to get into the Athlete on Fire segment, okay? And okay. Athlete on Fire to me is, and this is how I've defined it, it's like this one, there's there's a few periods in your life and in your athletic competitive life where everything's just clicking. Uh, you're eating well because you know it's important. You're training right. You're not overtraining. You're pushing hard when you need to. You're going easy when you need to. And when you compete, it, everything just clicks. All cylinders are firing uh, and that's an athlete on fire to me. And it doesn't ha- you don't have to be an elite athlete for that to happen. You can be a weekend warrior that's training for a marathon or, you know, training for your first 5K or just trying to lose 10 pounds. But that mentality can be reached by a lot of different people. So we're going to tap into what that means for you, what your mentality is, and how you've done some of the things that you have with that mentality. Okay? Okay. All right, so just to start the, off on the inspirational uh, foot here, can you, get, can you give us a quote that's, that really inspires you and gets you going? Um. For me, it's not a, a quote from anyone else. It's kind of from my own brain, but I always remind myself that I can do whatever it is that I want to do. So um, my quote is always believe you can. And um, that, you know, that's kind of what I tell people when I speak or, or when I go out. It's, you know, it always starts with the belief that you can do whatever it is that you want to do. And I think, um, although that is, my motto and and favorite quote i think that's also been my weakness in a lot of my competitions is you know is mental and so i think that's kind of why i lock on to that quote is because it really sometimes it really does just come down to do you believe you can do it or not so do you for that quote like i I fall back on things when i'm when i'm really worn out really tired do you fall back on that in a time when you're really struggling just so you can get through something or 
is that just something that you you like when you're when you're not competing um that and i have i have kind of a list of different kind of mottos or power words that i use when i'm you know in different situations and races and trying to get through them um so that's that's just one of them so would you be would you be willing to share a few other ones um and one of my favorites is it isn't over till it's over true because <laughs> um, i've had a lot of i've had a lot of situations i i was in a marathon one time and i had a, a technical issue with my racing chair at the start line and so there was a gal in front of me and i was chasing her um she was first and i was second and i was chasing her the entire marathon and at every mile i said that to myself you know it isn't over till it's over it isn't over till it's over and finally at mile 17 i had crept up on her enough that i just you know made a huge push to pass her and never looked back and won the race and you know, I think if I would have let my mind get the better of me and say, oh, you know, I'm way back here, she's up there, you know, I can't catch her, then I never would have done that. But, you know, my goal was to keep her in my sight and to remember that 26 miles is a long way and anything can happen, and it did at mile 17. So um, that's, you know, another one of my favorite quotes I use. Yeah, that's great. All right, so c- coming off the inspiration and going to kind of the darker side of athletics and competition, which there are a lot. Like there's there's walls that we hit and there's obstacles that we all face. And uh, you know as, as well as any, the adversity comes for athletes. And uh, can you tell me a time when you just fell on your face when you thought you were prepared for something? Um, <laughs> there were a few of those times. Um, I think in 2010 when I went to Hawaii for the Ironman, um, I really thought that I could do it, and I still think that I could have done it. Um, but I was 10 miles short of making the bike cutoff time, oh. so I didn't I didn't get a chance to finish the race. And um, you know, did I put 100% effort into it? You know, I did, but you know, every race depends on the day that you're having, and um, you know, I. I think there are probably some changes that I could have made in my training. Yes, there are things I could have done differently training and in the race. Um, but I, you know, you get you give it what you can on the day that you that you go. And sometimes things work out, and sometimes they don't. And that was one of the situations where things didn't work out in my favor. So you were uh, you were in Hawaii for Ironman Hawaii, right? And uh, for people who don't know, well, just tell us what Ironman is. So the Ironman is a 2.4-mile swim, 112-mile bike, and then a marathon. And so I, I swim like anybody else. Well, not exactly like anybody else because I swim backstroke. Um, but I, you know, so I swim backstroke just without doing the kick. And then I jump on a hand cycle and ride 112 miles. And ideally, I end up in a racing chair, but that day I didn't. Um you know, Hawaii is, is a very difficult course, you know, because of the weather and the heat and all of those different things. And um, I had some things go wrong during the race um, that sort of set me off mentally. I think if I could have kept my mental game together a little bit better, I would have been better prepared. Um, and so it's just, you know, Ironman day, anything can happen because it's such a long race. Yeah, it, it is. I've trained, 
I've trained athletes that have competed in Ironmans, just just regular people. And uh, the people, as I was in this conversation before, the people that come in after 14 or 15 hours are the inspirational ones because they're out there for so long. And and uh, the mental toughness that comes with finishing and competing at a high level for Ironman is just unbelievable. And you've probably run the ga- gamut of physical and mental emotions uh, during one of those days, I'm sure. <laughs> right, yeah. So, um, so Ironman... Um, have you competed in other Ironmans or was that the only one? I have. Um, I did a couple of um, Ironman races. The Redman Ironman I finished in 2005. And the Beach to Battleship Ironman I finished in 2009, I believe. Oh, cool. Um, I went to Hawaii twice and didn't finish either time, didn't make the time cut. And... Um, Went to Ironman Western Australia, actually, and I had a um, bike mechanical issue, so I didn't finish that race either. So, I, you know, I trained for a lot of Ironman and had a lot of bad luck, yeah. um, but I think they really made me um, tougher mentally, and they've also um, given me some great um, fitness and, you know, a great base for not just athletics but um for health and for life um so you know it's it's been a career of ups and downs but a lot of learning experiences and i don't think i would have traded it for you know anything else oh i'm sure so for for triathlon what what is your least favorite discipline uh it depends on what I'm worst at on any given day. <laughs> I always, I always, always like the the part where I'm doing well. Um, I think swimming is the hardest for me. Um, even though I, you know, I grew up as a swimmer and I'm, I'm a pretty solid swimmer. That's a long way to go, and because I swim backstroke, um, it seems even longer. <laughs> so when you're doing when you're doing um, Ironman Hawaii, are you with other adaptive athletes, or are you in the mix with everybody? How how do they do it? Um, I'm in the mix with everybody. The two times I've done um, Ironman, there have been no more than probably seven or eight um, athletes with disabilities doing it. Um, And the last time I did it, I think there were three other wheelchair racers and they were all men. So we pretty much just get thrown in with the rest of the age groupers and it's every man for himself. (laughs) And it's an, I, I've done a half Ironman before. It's, it's pretty intense for anybody just getting, I mean, the start in the swim is, is scary. And, uh, uh, I think backstroke would definitely create some different challenges. Definitely. <laughs> uh, all right. So we'll move on a little bit. Um, the, well, I have a handful of questions that all are kind of similar, but what, what life experience do you feel gives you a huge advantage mentally when you're competing? Um, Well, I mean, obviously, I think that going through my accident and everything that I did, you know, to come back and do my rehab, that has definitely given me um, a lot of skills that I've used in my sports since then. I mean, if I compared my mental toughness before the accident to my mental toughness after the accident, I'm a completely different athlete. And if I would have, if I could have had the brain that I have now as a bike racer, I would have made it 
so much further, so much faster. Um, you know, I've just, I've really had to, you know, make a lot of changes in the way I think and the way I view racing and the way I view training since having my accident. Yeah, so going to the accident, this is something that's kind of interesting. Of course, there's there's going to be a rehab. Uh, I mean, the, the injuries were traumatic in themselves, but just because you're not walking doesn't mean that you didn't have to come back from something. So, so what was your rehab like? So I was in the hospital in the intensive care unit for about three and a half weeks, and then I was transferred to Craig Rehabilitation Hospital, which is in Inglewood, Colorado. Um, they focus on spinal cord injuries and traumatic brain injuries. And I was at Craig for just over three months. And so during that time, they basically teach you how to relearn everything. You know, I had to learn how to transfer in and out of a wheelchair so I could get into my bed or I could get into the shower chair or I could get into the car, whatever, you know, wherever I was trying to go. I had to learn how to drive with my hands. Um, had to learn how to push my chair around and do a wheelie so I could pop down a curb if I needed to. And um, so, you know, there are a lot of different things that you need to learn when you have a spinal cord injury. I mean, just, just being able to take care of yourself physically, a lot of things are different. And so you need to, um, you know, have some training on, on how to get around day to day. And so, you know, all you know, total, I was in hospitals for just over four months. I went in on September 17th of 2000, and I was discharged on January 26th, 2001. So um, it was a pretty significant time in rehab. Yeah, and I think in the show notes, I will actually include Craig Hospital's link because that place is amazing. I was actually fortunate enough to uh, to be down there with a family friend through his rehab from, from a crazy injury this, this past uh, summer. And it's just a, it's a really neat community. I'm sure you know, but they, they deal with a lot of vets and mostly spinal injuries. And, uh, they're just, it's really cool. Everybody's in jeans and t-shirts down there. It's really laid back. I really like that place. I'll put that in the show notes so people can go check it out. I think they'd really get a, get a lot of value out of that. So yeah, that'd be great. All right. So moving, moving down the line, do you have any, I was a baseball player in college, so Asking this question almost makes me laugh every time just thinking about my teammates. But do you have any like weird habits or superstitions or rituals that you do when you when you're competing? Um, I don't so much. I when I was a cyclist I had a very particular warm up that I did and I had to be listening to a particular cassette tape, <laughs> which is sad to say <laughs> at the time, but I had a cassette tape um that I had to listen to and um so I had a particular way that I did my warm-up with cycling. And now I don't have so many superstitions as much. I mean, sometimes I'll wear the same thing if, you know, if I did well in a race or, um, you know, I'll listen to particular music before I go out and, and race. But I'm, I'm not quite as – I don't have anything quite so stringent as I did when I was cycling. So I'd love to let you off the hook, but – you got to tell us what you're listening to on the cassette. Oh my gosh, it's been so long. It's been 13 years. They, I don't <laughs> even remember what all the songs were, but it was just, I don't know, it was just this very particular set of songs <laughs> I had to listen to. Are you more I like... Should, I should find that cassette and find out what those were. Yeah, the hard part is finding something to play it on. <laughs> right, exactly, exactly. So, so for your pump-up music, would you listen to like 
rock or hip hop or rap or uh, y- Yanni. <laughs> and probably a lot of hip hop is what you'd find on my iPod, but I've got I've got a whole range of music, so it could be oh, anything cool. from classic rock to hip hop, top forty, you need it, you name it, I got it. Cool. Cool. So kinda kinda the same same breath as uh quirky habits. Do you have any strong habits that you do on a daily basis that helps you get things done, helps you get your your workouts done. It doesn't matter. It doesn't have to be athletic, but just what, what are some good habits that you have that you can share with people? Um, I do think I do a lot of visualizing, just, you know, kind of trying to figure out how I want things to go and, and, you know, seeing them in my mind. I, I think I do that automatically. Um, and it's just kind of a way for me to step out of, you know, what's really happening and look at what I want to have happen. Um, and another thing that I work on is, is you know, are those things that I say to myself. Because I do catch myself a lot of times, um, you know, using the negative self-talk. And so I really, really try to turn that around. And then um, recently I've started meditating and trying to see what that's about. And, you know, everybody you know, says great things about the benefits of, of meditating and kind of having that time to, to clear your mind and focus yourself. And so that's something that I've recently added to my arsenal of, of tools and skills. No, that's cool. And I have actually two questions off of that, that little, little uh, monologue there. So for, for the visualization, do you have any good resources for best practices? Cause that was a big thing in, in athletics for me coming up is just picturing exactly what was going to happen before it did and it's amazing how how much that helps but what resources do you have for that um in terms of like books like, or yeah is there a book is there is there someone that that's really good at explain explaining you know best best way to 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 visualize your com- competition before it happens or um you know i've worked with a couple of uh um, sports psychology or mental sports training um, coaches and and that's been helpful um, you know like there's always um, you know books and you know I don't know different things that you can read online on how to do it whatever um, I did I did a couple of fun exercises with a, a, a coach called her name is Gail Royce she's locally in Denver and um, she really gave me a lot of things to think about. Um, my own coach has given me, you know, some worksheets to kind of write down what you want to be thinking about. And then, you know, you take that into your visualization. So, I, you know, I don't have any specific resources, but um, just over the years, different people have given different input. No, that's cool. All right, so... Uh... That that's into the athlete on fire section, and the last part is my favorite because it's it's all about inspiration. But before we get there, I have a little quiz for you. Okay. And yes, it is meant to hopefully embarrass you or throw you off. So we'll see about that. So since you like uh, since you like triathlon, and uh, there's three sports or three disciplines in triathlon, we thought we'd give you a quiz on the three stooges. So here we go. Oh my! <laughs> you do know who they are, right? Yes. Oh, okay. This would be really interesting if you didn't even know who they were. So, uh, so Curly, the little bald fella, 
What's his? This is a multiple choice. What is his nickname? Is it A. Butterface, B. Babe, C. Shabby Pants, or D. Corn? Oh my! How would I even know that? I'm going to have to say, uh, oh, is it Butterface? Butterface. Is that that's my answer? What's the <laughs> The answer is B, babe. Oh. Well. I have no idea how anybody would know that, but we're gonna go on. Okay. All right. <laughs> so Larry, we got Larry. He had an irrational fear of what? Dogs? Two fountain pens? Three babies? Or four corn? Uh, I'm gonna have to go with corn on this one. You are incorrect. <laughs> it's actually fountain pens because he got one stuck in his head during filming one time. Do you want to know something? On both of those questions, I didn't go with my first answer. I went with my second answer, and I would have had it right both times. And you know, when you're in school, they tell you, go with the first answer that comes to your mind. I, I know. Even as ridiculous as all of this is, it's just, you still have a gut answer for this, which is unbelievable. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so number three and the last one is, uh, all right, so Larry and Mo, they had a brief career doing what? Were they A, plumbers, B, circus clowns, C, did they own a burger joint, or D, were they corn farmers? What is it with corn? That's that's my question. What is it with corn? I don't, you know, it's in our diet, you know, it's it's everywhere. Um, Circus clowns. What was your first gut? It was the plumbers. Oh, wow. Over two. They owned a burger joint. Really? It was called uh, the Stooge Burgers joint, to be honest with you. Excellent. So, random questions have nothing to do with you. That was fun. Okay, and I'm not very good at them, obviously. <laughs> I don't think it... Uh, the goal is for nobody to get it right. Although, earlier today, I had a younger athlete that's actually training for the Olympics. She knew nothing about any of the questions. Nailed every one. Unbelievable. Nice. All right, so the last section is athlete inspired. We just want to, you know, we want to have a lot of takeaways from this section. So uh, the first one's really about you and if legacy is important to you, and if if so, why? Um, you know, I mean, I think that legacy is important because when you are done doing your sport, you know, for you, you you walk away, you retire, you do other things, and um, you know, of course, you've got your own accomplishments and they stay with you. But I think um, you make an impact on other people too, or you can. And I think for me, my legacy is going to be, you know, not letting my disability get in my way. Um, I think it's going to be being a pioneer in, in paratriathlon because when I first started, I never saw another female wheelchair racer on the field. And I learned everything from trial and error and asking people. And, and now paratriathlon is, is a sport in the 2016 Paralympics in Rio. And um, when I started, people were giving me looks like, what are you doing here at this race? They, were, they didn't quite get it. And now it's, it's commonplace. And they can see somebody in a chair at a triathlon and – you know, they don't even think twice about it. They're like, oh, okay, cool. Well, you know, we got some wheelers here today. And so I think that that's, you know, the legacy that I want to leave is that 
you know, really anything's possible if you're if you're willing to, you know, go out there and and look at things differently and figure out how you can make them happen if that's what you want to be doing. When you meet someone else who hasn't competed, uh, that has a disability, and and you can see kind of the, the little twinkle in their eye, and you know they're curious. What can you tell them in in one sentence to to make sure that they they get out there and do and do something? Um, you know, last week I just met a a woman who's probably about my age who just lost um, her leg below the knee, and she was not in a good place. Um, and you know, I said, I, I just I just gave her examples. I said, you know. Really, you can do anything you want to do. If I can do a triathlon in a wheelchair, you can do, you can ski with a prosthetic. You know, like, you can't let those kinds of things get in the way of what you want to do. And, you know, one of my favorite quotes, because I, I think it's the kind of person I am, is figure out what you want to do and then figure out how you're going to do it later. You know, like, the how, you know, that will take care of itself. But if you you know, set your goals, set your mind on certain things and, and know that that's in your heart, what you want to do, then you can figure out a way to do it. Yeah. Does it, do you, does it resonate with people? Like with this woman, did, did she, did it help her? Do you think? I think, I think so. You know, <laughs> it, uh, it's up to the individual person really to decide, you know, can I get over this barrier? And, and that's their, their mental part, you know, yeah. but I think that if you can show them examples, if you can be a role model, um, you know, I had role models and I saw them doing sports and I thought, well, those guys can do sports. I can do sports. Um, so, you know, I think it takes having somebody that you can look up to and, and, and follow in their footsteps. And so that's, you know, why I want to leave this legacy of, if you have a disability, you can still do it. You know, if I can be a role model to somebody, then that's, that's perfect for me. That's awesome. All right. So in this world right now, who or what is inspiring you right now? Well, I'm kind of changing my focus a little bit to, you know, I have my own business as a motivational speaker. I um, have written my memoir. So I'm, you know, writing a couple of other books now. So I'm really kind of keeping my eye on women who have, um, you know, paved the way in business um, and become very successful. And I've, you know, done a lot of networking just to meet new people and understand, you know, how do you become a successful entrepreneur or even a successful woman in the corporate world? And so that's, you know, really where my attention is going right now is, you know, it's, you know, same as what you're doing is asking the key ingredients to being a successful athlete as I'm asking myself and others, what's the key ingredient in becoming a successful business person? Yeah. And one of the top two or three reasons I started this podcast is because my passion for entrepreneurial endeavors and my passion for athletics, they always have lined up and it just made sense to to draw draw the lines between the two. There, there's so many parallels. It's amazing. Exactly. It takes so many of the same traits that you just have to kind of reframe them in your mind, whether it's, you know, are you doing, you, you know, the sports side of it or are you doing the business side of it? But it's still, you know, it's the same commitment, it's the same mental toughness, it's the same, you know, self-talk, it's the same visualization. And 
being able to see yourself as being successful. And, and so, you know, there are a ton of parallels. So is there, is there a female entrepreneur or businesswoman uh, right now that's really inspiring you that you can tell us, tell us about? Um, you know, I've met, I've met several, you know, in all different um, industries. I, you know, recently I had lunch with a woman in the financial inter- industry and she's done some amazing things and become the president of a bank, you know. Um, I've met some, some great women in the area of fundraising because I run a nonprofit camp and, you know, fundraising is one of the things that I'm, I'm trying to learn and become better at. Um, so, you know, I've just, I've met all kinds of women in different areas that have inspired me in different ways. And, you know, I really feel like, um, mentorship, like I said before, you know, having a role model, having a mentor, I think that is, is one of the biggest ways that you can move forward faster is if you have somebody who can, you know, let you kind of walk behind them or beside them and show you the ropes and help you become better at what you want to be doing. Oh, that's great. All right, so do you, do you have uh, do you have a book right now that you'd recommend, you know, just recommended reading for people? Um, well, if I'm going to recommend a book, I'm going to have to recommend my own. It's called Cycle of Hope, and that's um, my memoir. Um, I've been reading countless business books, and right now I'm not thinking of any titles of books that I would recommend. Oh, that's a hard one. I don't know. I've read a lot of good ones. So Cycle of Hope, I'll put that in the show notes. Okay. I'm sure people, is that just kind of your journey so far? That is. So okay. there's, there's more coming, I think. Yeah, of course, of course. Uh, so before we, before we go with my last question here, since we are so connected, there's a couple other things I do know about you, and I, I know about Camp Discovery, um, and, and I think it's amazing. And if you could just talk about that, the, the mission and the why behind Camp Discovery right now. The mission for Camp Discovery is really to get women who are full-time wheelchair users. So, yeah, everybody's in a chair um, with a disability to just be able to find out what they're capable of. And um, so we do, you know, all kinds of mind, body, and spirit activities, everything from, you know, rock climbing to scuba diving and tennis to relaxing things like massage and, um, you know, kind of the, the girly side of things. But then we also do goal setting. We do um, different activities that bring out people's creativity. And so it's a two-and-a-half-day camp for these women to just explore different parts of themselves. And, you know, usually for women who are in the process of redefining their lives, you know, maybe they just had an accident or maybe they just want to be somebody different or have a different outlook on life. Those are the women that, that really benefit when they come to camp discovery, because, you know, a lot of changes are made just over the weekend, just in attitude and insight and, you know, finding out what you're capable of. And they, and they, they do things that they never thought they could do. And, and so it's really been a remarkable experience. Oh, that's awesome. And there's a website for that, right? Uh, all the information's on my website, which is trickdowning.com. Okay. All right. And we'll link that up on our show notes. So since we are so connected, if you want to just really quick tell, tell the listeners how to get a hold of you, uh, you can let us know about your social media as well. That'd be great. 
Uh, my website is trishdowning.com. That's T-R-I-S-H downing.com. My Twitter, I'm on Twitter at Redefining Able. Uh, my Facebook is also under Redefining Able, Trish Downing, athlete and inspirational speaker. And I think that's it, my Facebook and Twitter. And YouTube, cool. I'm on YouTube at Redefining Able also. That's the name of my company. Oh, that's great. So finishing up, so you are going to give your 15-year-old self some advice and, of course, any other young young women out there, uh, 15, 16, 17 years old, what what advice would you give them moving into their adult lives and, and things that they can grab onto for the rest of their life? I think the biggest um, thing that is important is to be flexible. You know, when I was 15, I had the, you know, this perfect idea of how my life was going to turn out and, you know, I was going to go to college and, you know, work in a particular industry and get married and have kids and, you know, everything was going to be all perfect and beautiful and straight and aligned. And that's not really how life goes. It's not really linear like that. And, and life happens. And if you can't um, be willing to be flexible and, you know, change the way you see things or change the direction you're going, you might miss out on some really great things. You know, and so I think I think flexibility is probably one of the greatest traits that people can build or kids can build as they're growing up and say, you know, obviously this is what I want to do, but if some other opportunities or some other things happen along the way, I'm willing to see them as they are, you know, problem solve where I need to and move on and go with the flow. Because if you can't go with the flow, life is going to be really challenging. That's awesome, Trish. Well, I've had a great time during the interview. You've had some amazing stories for us. I hope people will go buy your book because it is a great story and there's way more than we could cover in 30 minutes. And I just appreciate you coming on and help me help me get this podcast out there and started. Thank you. I appreciate you having me. Hey, everybody. I hope you enjoyed this episode with Trish Downing. She has inspired me and I hope she's inspired you guys as well. Why don't you guys go over to the athleteonfire.com page click on the athlete workouts and see what trisha has for you guys for our fitness on fire episode today it's a new challenge i think you guys will have fun with it thanks a lot